Nina Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34th. Uh, Congressmember Bernie Sanders of Vermont, uh, the fact that the International Labor Rights Fund was contracted with the Department of Labor, came up with their report, uh, and then the DOL uh, rejected it and said they are to remove it from their website, not talk about it with outsiders. What about this? Well, I think that's what we expect of the Bush administration. Uh, they don't play by the rules if there are developments that take place uh, that these guys don't like. They fight them in this case. Uh, there was a report which came out which put a lie to everything that they're saying about CAPTA, so obviously what you do is suppress the report. Nothing new about that. Uh, the bottom line here, uh, even before we get into all of the details of CAFTA, is that our entire trade policy, whether it's NAFTA, whether it's permanent normal trade relations with China, has been an absolute disaster. Uh, in this case, it will be, in my view, a disaster for the people of Central America, but it's also a disaster for the people of the United States of America. Uh, Amy and one, what all of these agreements are about is the effort of corporate America to force American workers uh, to compete against people who make desperately low wages, uh, to continue the race to the bottom, to drive wages down in the United States, to continue to transfer manufacturing plants from the United States to developing countries. Uh, and that's what these agreements are about, which are supported by virtually every large corporation in the country. And your sense of the prospects for this uh, for CAFTA now in the House? Well, the good news, I think, is that there has been a tidal shift in sentiment about trade in the last couple of years. Uh, a lot of, uh, during the uh, Clinton administration, of course, Clinton himself put pressure on Democrats to support NAFTA. Uh, Bush puts enormous pressure on Republicans. But a lot of these folks now, the Republicans go back to the districts in the Midwest they see industry after industry wiped out. They see good-paying jobs gone. They see uh, the emergence of low-paying McDonald's or Walmart-type jobs. And even these guys are waking up and say, hey, you know what? We were sold a bill of goods. It just ain't working. So even the vote in the Senate, which obviously was not surprising, uh, the Senate has historically been terrible on these agreements, uh, was better than some had hoped from our perspective. Uh, as I think Amy indicated, the vote in the House is expected to be very close. Uh, and remember, this is we are doing better now in opposing unfettered free trade in this uh, proposal than we have in the past. Uh, but corporate America is putting tremendous power, pressure on, on Congress. Uh, the president is uh, now beginning to do what they always do, is, and that is uh, work out little agreements with this group or that group, uh, bring people into the White House. I'm sure campaign contributions will be flowing to those people who are prepared uh, to vote for it and so forth and so on. Uh, but in the midst of all this, I know for a lot of listeners, this trade agreement or trade agreements in general are not a sexy issue. But people have got to appreciate that there is a reason why, despite the explosion of technology and the increase in worker productivity in the United States in the last 20 years, real wages are down. Poverty today is increasing. The gap between the rich and the poor is growing wider. Today, two workers in a family, often a husband and wife, have less disposable income than one worker did 30 years ago. So today we're talking with Angelica Duenas, who is running for Congress in CD29, which is the San Fernando, East San Fernando Valley area. As someone that grew up in the Valley, I'm pretty familiar with that territory. And I wanted to ask you, though, right off the top, because when we first spoke, uh, you had mentioned to me a story about how your mom had worked at Price Pfister plant in Pacoima. And then after 20 years, she lost her job because of NAFTA. So uh, talk a little bit with me what it's like growing up in, the fa in a family of undocumented workers, moving to the United States, and then finally thinking you have some security there, some job security, and have that uh, taken out from underneath your feet. Yeah, no, it was a very difficult experience uh, for my parents. Um, my parents uh, came to this country undocumented, seeking out opportunities um, for a better life and for their for for themselves and for their family. Um, they were able to, through amnesty in the 1980s, um, get a documented status. But um, in between all of that, there was a lot of struggle. Um, in uh, the mid 1990s, um, price. Fister shut down due to um, NAFTA after it was signed off a couple of years later. Uh, uh, Price Fister, along with many other factories, uh, left the country to Mexico uh, seeking out cheap 
cheap labor. Um, it was a, a terrible experience. My mom sacrificed a lot, a lot of, of herself uh, to this company. She was working a swing shift. Uh, that means that her her schedule was about 4 p.m. to 12:30 a.m. So that means that 13 years of my life or so, um, she was gone during the the day. Mm. So um, when I was in school, um, I got to see her 20 minutes in the morning, about 45 minutes in the afternoon. Um, and then I was um, it, throughout the years, either between caretakers, uh, family members, uh, family friends, or my dad, depending on schedule and availability. Right. Um, it was really terrible, terrible experience because my mom, you know, was sacrificing um, her family, really her time with her children um, and um, her body, really, because her, her feet were just destroyed at the end of it all. But the goal was she had a pension that she was working right. towards. And um, and that was really her, her motivation and her, it was worth the struggle because she was, she was earning something. And when she ended up being, um, not to ask her the details, but she was anywhere between a uh, two to four years short of her pension benefit. Um, and that, and, and so now she, she got this meager, um, just like a 200 and something dollar benefit that was, is just a fraction of she was what, what she was entitled to uh, of a lifelong uh, pension benefit. At the end of it all, she ended up um, having to go out on, on permanent disability because her feet were just destroyed. She ended up having a number of procedures and surgeries after uh, the company shut down. And at the end of it all, she, you know, we're, we're still, she's still struggling. We're still struggling um, with, you know, a uh, limited income um, because of, of, of all of it, you know? So it's like, we're, we're a victim of, of the system of the capitalist system and, you know, being, um, uh, poor, um, low income. And, um, I think our community and, and as a whole was really impacted actually. Yeah. Um, our district has, uh, about twice as much uh, of a unemployment rate than the rest of the country. Um, and that's before coronavirus. Right. So our, our community has been greatly impacted. And I think that, you know, um, Price Fister was the number one employer in, in, in our area up until up until then. So, um, you know, these are these are impacts that are still being felt today. Yeah, I know it's unfortunate. And I want to specifically talk a little bit about NAFTA because your your mom's story, your story isn't unique in the sense for that period of time. And a lot of these plants that were moved down to Mexico they didn't create better employment in Mexico either. So th this basically was a handout to multinational corporations who are able to chase a lower dollar amount no matter where they went, right? Because That's the right. jobs that were created in Mexico weren't high-paying jobs. There weren't any uh, labor protections. There weren't any environmental protections. And also part of the problem was the multinational corporations can also sue the state if they mm -hmm. think that they've lost, had investment losses. So just, it was just a giant handout to corporations. It, you know, it was sold to Americans as, as a consumer bill where we'd have cheaper goods mm -hmm. and, you know, all of these things. It was all a bunch of crap. Um, so now I would imagine from that experience that you are more a supporter of fair trade versus free trade. So Absolutely. what are your plans in that area? Um, well, I think that we need to make sure that, you know, when, when we're making deals uh, with, with other countries that we are keeping uh, in mind that they, we all need to have a fair deal in, in all of this, you yeah. know, just like we want to protect our, our, our economy here and make sure that our people here are able to get, you know, fair uh, prices for their goods and services. The same goes for, for other countries. And yeah, I think exactly. that we make that a focus along with environmental standards and all of these other things that we need to make a, a priority um, to allow for people to be able to still make a profit and make a living in, in their, in their home country. Um, you know, instead of flooding their, their economy with, with our goods or vice versa, uh, we need to be just be more um, conscious, conscientious of how um, we, we make these deals happen. And then just, what are we growing? Are we overgrowing any pro produce? Are we overproducing any product? Like, you know, we need to be balanced. And I think that in, 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 in this time of, um, of like climate change awareness and, um, you know, the environment, I think it's very clear to see that we can't just be producing things um, nonstop. We really need to be focused on, you know, we have limited resources. So we need to just be mindful about what, what we're producing, where, we're, we, where we are we sending these products to. 
And are we um, taking over something that maybe they can be growing themselves? You know what I mean? Right. So just be conscientious of what we trade, who we're trading with, um, and just keeping their uh, well-being in mind. Just It's vice versa. And I think that that's what we need to move towards is a, um, a coordinated effort um, where we can all um, – we don't, we, none of us have to um, take a loss or, or, or get behind in order for another one to get ahead. I think that there's more than right. enough resources. Right. It's also as if they've sold the American population and also the Mexican population on this idea of, of consumerism, Why right? You buy more, more consumer goods, the happier you're going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of this, the cycle Absolutely. that we're in. I think when it comes down to, I think it's, it's, we're missing something, right? There's something not right. And I think that that's just, you know, um, what an, an easy fix, but I think mm-hmm. that it just goes to, to show that that's, there's something wrong with the system yeah. and that we need to really address it. And, it's, and I think it's, it's between us and, as people um, and um, building community. I think we're missing a lot uh, between, you know, we don't have community like, like we used to. Yeah. Like in, in Mexico, for example, there's uh, the plazas. There's a space where people actually come and congregate and, right. and, and, on a daily basis, you'll have people who just come and hang out and, and, and talk with each other. And we don't have that. And now with social distancing, it's getting to e- even a, a worse scale where we're just like, you know, we are lacking that interaction. And I hope that we can um, appreciate it and, and come back to something um, where we're, we're communicating and connecting more. Yeah, I think that would help. Um, so I also think a good part of the conversation has to focus on foreign policy because a lot of the migrant my, migrant workers that come out and folks that are seeking immigration status from the United States are doing mm-hmm. so because of things that we've done abroad. So yes. whether it's been pushing regime change wars, uh, whether we're looking to overthrow or have or support a coup in another country where maybe it's a leftist government and it's not it's not friendly to corporate interests. Mm-hmm. We get involved, and a lot of the yes. times it makes a worse situation than what was there previously. And so you mm-hmm. end up having a lot of folks coming up to our borders because they really don't feel like they have a choice. So we have to stop being, um, you know, having this cognitive dissonance about what we do abroad and why it relates back to our immigration policy. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your feelings in that area? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something that gets overlooked. It's like, you know, yeah. uh, there's so many people there. Where are they coming from? When are they getting here? How are they getting here? Uh, but I think that one thing that people forget to, to ask or ask themselves is why are they coming here? Exactly. Um, who wants to leave everything that they know, leave their families behind, leave their children behind, leave their parents behind, get on some janky, dangerous train with no food, just the clothes on your back and risk everything, uh, you know, losing limbs, um, you know, losing people among, along the way, getting raped, getting beaten. Yeah. You know, who wants to do that? It's dangerous. And then, yeah. to, and then to come here and then struggle some more because, you know, life is hard and, and it's it, people think that, oh, they're going to come here to like what to win the lottery. Like, no. you know what I mean? Yeah. Us, us here. I have a hard time getting making it through. Exactly. So, um, so let's just be serious. People are, are, are go through the, these things because of necessity. Yeah. You know, my mom, when she left uh, Mexico, she was she left uh, for gosh, I think like almost 20 years, she was not able to come back home. And in wow. that time, you know, she she didn't get to see her mom. Um, we got to go back. Um, once she got her her amnesty, we got to go back. And I remember my grandma saying like, this is going to be the last time I ever see you <sighs> when she said goodbye. And it was my, my grandma passed away. So um, my mom you know, and, and that's, and that was a nice ending because right. she actually got to go back and she actually got to see her mom and she got to go back for the services. You know, uh, people don't get to do that when they, their parents are agonizing in death and they don't get to right. go back because if they go back, they might yeah. not be able to come back to their families here. These are just really sad, horrific stories. And I think that um, those are things that need to be, to, to be kept into consideration that, um, these people have already gone through so much right that um, and at the end of it all, it's it's not that that there's a windfall at the end. It's not like there's a you know the 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 pot of gold at the end of the, of the rainbow. it's it it comes with more struggle, struggle right. with more struggle, a never ending struggle and fear. 
and, um, and trauma on top of it. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, I do know what you mean. Look, nobody, life. nobody walks through Mexico from Central America to come to the United States because yes. they, they're doing it out of desperation, right? It's because mm-hmm. it's gotten so bad in their home countries that they feel like it's unsafe for them to stay there. And I, and I think more Americans need to understand what's driving that. And we need to yeah. really examine our role in that if we really want to be um, clear about what our immigration policies are and, and why we're having to deal with an influx of immigrants. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of it's on us. And I think that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing it a lot in, in the Middle East too, yeah. even more uh, to a, a greater degree um, where we're seeing, you know, we're uh, actually dropping bombs, if not by oh, yeah. proxy, where we're funding other wars. That's right. I mean, we're hundreds of thousands, you know, at this point, millions of people that have been displaced or affected or killed um, because of our actions. That's and right. then we can't s- sit around and wonder, you know, why are these people, you know, going from one place to another? Well, what would we do? What would we do if they bombed our, uh, my block? Do you think I'm just going to stay here? Absolutely that's right. not. No, that's right. I mean, look, we have to go all the way back to the 60s. And, you, and the United States of America, with this, through the CIA, went in and helped overturn uh, the Iranian democratically elected government because they were going to nationalize mm-hmm. oil. So there's a long history of the United States, you know, interfering yes. in foreign governments for corporate reasons, for business interest reasons. Mm-hmm. and. There's going to be repercussions of that. And we have to, we need to start having that conversation. And I wish more Americans were, were aware to the mm-hmm. extent of what we've done these things because they're not, it's not something that regularly gets dis- discussed by the media. Absolutely. Yeah, here we are. And we have to really, I think we have to, uh, the American population has to push for the end of regime change wars because this is not benefiting anybody except the corporate oligarchy. Yes. That's it. It certainly doesn't help your average American. You know, our what our Pentagon budget, our, our defense budget is almost 50 percent of our discretionary spending mm-hmm. in the country. That's out. And they don't even know where their money is going. They can't even exactly. tell us where they, they spend their money. Exactly. Somebody needs to edit no. the Pentagon or audit the Pentagon. Audit, yes. Or edit them too. Shoot. Edit them to <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Do both. <laughs> um, I want to talk with you a little bit about local politics. I know you served on your neighborhood council board, which is a very local thing to do. What did you learn from those experiences? You were there, I think, three or four years. Um, so talk a little yeah, bit about little that, bit. lessons learned, and how local positions like that are, are really important if we want to make change inside the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. Absolutely. So um, in regards to the Neighborhood Council, so that is a nonpartisan a citizen or, or actually resident uh, a member board. Um, and it's like the our neighborhood's connection to city uh the city council, city right. government, and um, anybody can can be a member. Like they, you know, each each neighborhood council has different requirements, but, uh, like as far as like each position. But as long as you live, work, or volunteer in the district, depending on, on the criteria, mm-hmm. you can be a part of it. So there's no citizenship requirements. There's no residency uh, requirements. N- none of that. So you know, folks with undocumented status can actually be a part of the neighborhood council, which is beautiful. Yeah. It's really something that that you can be a part of, and actually anybody can vote. And I believe um, I'm trying to remember if it was 16 or over or 18 or over, but regardless of your status, you're able to participate. So that I, I really like that of it. Um, another thing too is that it's local. Um, and well, right now with coronavirus, I think everybody pretty much suspended their meetings. There's a couple that are, st- they're starting to do zoom meetings, which is great. Okay. But for the most part is your local access to government, which is great. Um, you get to know, uh, uh, what's going on. You get to hear updates. You get to hear things that are upcoming, um, concerns. Um, the, how I got involved was because it didn't affect my streets, but like uh, down the street, there was this uh, FEMA thing that was going on mm-hmm. that like they were forcing folks to get flood insurance. And basically what they were saying, okay. if you don't get flood insurance and you get flooded, we're not going to cover you for anything. So get this expensive insurance for just in case, mind you. Which you could only get through the state or for FEMA. Right. And mind yeah. you, over 100 years, there hasn't been a flood in these areas. So people are like, I've been here all my life and they want me to, to buy this expensive insurance. And, who was, and that's, that's what, really wild. I didn't know about this. Who was asking for that? Um, I believe it was it was a FEMA. Um, and I had to go back and take a look at, at the documentation because I have it somewhere. But um, it was like a notice that folks were getting in our huh. area. And I was just really concerning. And that's really what piqued my interest. And then 
at church they uh, they said that there was like these upcoming elections coming up and i actually just showed up to like to bring it to their attention yeah. like you know you guys should help us with this and then the president of the neighborhood council was like you should come and help us and you should probably like you know lead that project and long story short on that the 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 FEMA thing passed and people either got their insurance or not because they had to do nothing with, with us. But it, it actually got me into the room and I ended up um, running and joining the neighborhood council and I actually became president. So I was I was president for two terms. I was vice president for one term and then like just a member for a little bit. What I learned a lot is that, well, one, the neighborhood council is just an advisory group. Um, pretty much anything and everything that we propose and or ask for or request from developers or even like, you know, city council members right. um, or anybody, any representative, it's just advice. And a lot of the times things get ignored. Um, it's um, kind of like, it's like almost a placating, I feel in some ways. Um, and but at the same time, too, it's a very important thing. I think that if we can get more young people of color, right. working class people to be a part of these neighborhood councils, um, it could really become something else because the goal of the neighborhood council is to encourage civic involvement exactly. in, the, in the neighborhoods. But it kind of has turned more into like announcements and then like uh, neighborhood cleanups and stuff like that, which is like, okay, that's good, but not the best. Our neighborhood council in Sun Valley the one thing that they did do, and they do do cleanups, cleanups and stuff, because it actually is very necessary in our area. But they also were doing, we would do um, citizenship workshops. Right. And that's something that I was very proud of that, that I got to be a part of um, and to coordinate a few of them while I was there. And then I was going to participate in this year's one as just as a volunteer, but because of, of coronavirus, it was, it was canceled. Um, but that's some of the work that, that our neighborhood and each neighborhood council is different and yeah. some neighborhood councils are very involved and very on it. And some councils are very passive. And I think that's why it's very important for everybody to, to, um, look at their neighborhood council and even outside of elections, I think people don't understand this, but you can join a neighborhood council at any time of as long as there's an opening. You literally, if you see an opening, right you take a look at the definition of what the position is, whether, you know, you maybe you need to be a homeowner, maybe you need to be a business owner, maybe you need to just, you know, just live there, whatever their definition is for the, for the position. If it's open, you can go in there, you fill out a form and you can get appointed and you, you will serve the rest of that term. Right. So these positions are very accessible and that's a way to try and get that experience and get to know the, it's the bureaucracy. It's a, it's kind of a hassle. I'll be honest, but <laughs> these are, this is how it works, yeah. you know, and we need to learn how the, the game works because you can't be a part of it if you don't know how, how it, how it works. And, and that goes the same for the, within the democratic party, these positions, yeah. these like these delegate positions and these committee member positions that, once you're in there, you get to learn how the system works. And exactly. it's a, a lot of a hassle, but these are the things that we need to learn to be able to make the changes necessary. Yeah, I agree. I think it's about influencing the process. I would imagine if you have the right mix of folks on a neighborhood council that they could influence the city council member if, because yeah. if, listen, if you have a, a lot of constituents behind you, right, and, and you're representing those constituents, the city council member at some point is going to have to respond to what's being said if he wants to yes. keep his seat. So I think it I think it should be something that we should look at for sort of, you know, providing a check and balance against whatever uh, mm -hmm. the lobbyists are saying to the you city know council what? folks. One thing I have noticed that I thought it was really funny that I have seen um, with city council people they normally ignore the neighborhood they councils in a way like they, they don't really like take them seriously. Yeah. But if they want uh, time, if they want, they will stretch out their time. They go, oh, I want to bring that issue uh, through the neighborhood councils yeah, and I'll get back right. to you. And that's 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 the only time that you, the neighborhood councils get some sort of like attention or like respect or, or any clout is usually as an excuse. They use mm -hmm. this as an excuse or they use neighborhood councils as an excuse to bid their time. Right. Um, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, I think that um, if we can really take over exactly. our neighborhood councils, especially within like a district, um, you yeah. know, we can really influence that, you know, city council member 
Um, and even, you know, other representatives, because other representatives' offices do go in and send a representative to make announcements usually to those meetings. So indeed, um, I think that that if we can organize the people and get the 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 community to show up to these meetings, and that's the problem. That's the hard part. Um, and that's where the really the power lies because it's bottom up. And I think we, we know that exactly the changes it. are bottom up. It is bottom up, which is why we have to get more folks involved in this stuff. They need to not ignore this. They need to pay attention. Yeah. And in fact, in our last election cycle, our neighborhood council here organized a because we, we had a city council seat that was up for election. Mm. So they went ahead and, and organized debates for, for the candidates, which I thought was really yeah. smart. Of them. So they're involving mm-hmm. the neighborhood council right from the from jump into the process, which I think is important. If we look, if there's enough yes, of us to care important. about this, they're going to have to listen to us is what I'm thinking. Um, so then you have the county central committee, which is the Democratic Party side of that. These are the positions that go into for Los Angeles County, for example, those are elected positions. They're not paid, so they are volunteer in that sense. But again, if we get enough progressive folks into those positions, you actually do wield yes. a lot of influence as far as how the um, how the policy or the uh, platform rules mm-hmm. change, et cetera. So yeah, and I'm very excited that there was a, a good number of, of of Bernie people that got yes. into or, or Bernie Kratz or progressives right. um, over on uh, you know our teams. Our teammates that that made it into their their um, yeah. county committees. I'm super excited. Um, I actually got into to mine, so um, oh, I'll be getting sworn. Okay, I didn't know Thank that. you. I'll be That's getting great. sworn in. Um, I think like in a month or t- uh, yeah. in a couple of months. I think I got an email. I think in June or something like that. So. Yeah, we had a bunch of Bernie Crafts that won these positions. So I think, honestly, I was looking at the uh, results for L.A. County, and it seems to me there's a lot more progressives that are in charge now than there was previously by by a margin. So no, it, it's definitely going up. So, going I mean, it's, it's, it's not a it's not a it wasn't like a landslide or anything. But I think that it's, it's just really showing that our efforts are paying off. 100%. And I'm very excited. I'm very yeah. proud of, of everybody's work. Yeah. In fact, in our district over here, 8051, they, the Bernie Crest pretty much swept. I think there's oh, all but awesome. two seats went to a Bernie Crest of some sort. So oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yes, it is wonderful. So great. hopefully all those folks get together and they're able to influence the party politics and we can change some of the screwed up things that have been going on. That's my feeling yes. at least. So you were also a delegate for Bernie Sanders in 2016. Um, you yeah. were there at the DNC convention, but I wanted to ask you, um, how are you feeling right now about Bernie Sanders suspending his campaign? Um, well, I mean, it's it's been hard. I yeah. think that um, I didn't see it coming so soon. I think that that was something that I, I expected that there was going to be a couple of more primaries before um, he made any decision around uh, uh, of that capacity. Um, I mean, if we take a look uh, at 2016, I mean, he was, I think it was what, May or June before he... he yeah, he, he fought he, all the way to the... I just don't understand why he did that this time. I mean, we still sense. had what? The timing, the, country, the timing. The timing, yeah. The, I mean, I don't The get fact it. that it was like the day after... Uh, Wisconsin, and then the numbers hadn't even come through yet. It was just very odd. I'm very it was very confused. odd. I don't think, well, I don't even think we can ha- say any of these elections are meaningful. They should have not been held in the first place because Absolutely. of coronavirus. I mean, I yes. can't believe they went forward with Wisconsin. It's yes. just disgusting. Yes, that's re- disgusting and ridiculous. Um, and I completely agree. But the fact that it's like, you know, the numbers hadn't come through. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like that's disrespectful of the process. You know what I mean? I agree. Uh, obviously, he got, he he got you know he got swept. But what if he would have done better? You know it, what okay, if? But how is it that he? Let's talk about that. I'm not. Sh- I see. This is why I'm not convinced that these elections should even matter. I mean, this was a state that he won by 13 percent in 2016, and now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Biden, who has never been there once to even campaign, never once has he gone to Wisconsin to campaign. Now all of a sudden, he's like the favored child. None of this. You know, makes I sense haven't to seen me. the exit polls for Wisconsin, but I mean, we are seeing the big, huge differences uh, between exit polls to the point that. Um, if any other country had these differences, you know, I think the U.S. would be up in arms and demanding some, uh, you know, uh, international intervention. Um, but I think that there's something to be said. I think that it's it's definitely um, something that needs to be looked at yeah. in regards to, you know, the vote, uh, um, the vote counts and the exit polls. 
You know, here's the other thing. I mean, voter suppression can take on many forms, right? In Los Angeles County on Super Tuesday, we experienced massive voter suppression as far as I'm concerned. The lines, the long lines, four-hour lines, that's Mm -hmm. voter suppression. Yes. People cannot stand in line if they go to vote at on their lunch break in the middle of the day. How mm-hmm. is this possible? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, what really slayed me was after the Bernie Sanders campaign had filed an injunction to keep the polls open, apparently Dean Logan's office didn't bother to contact all the precincts to let them know to stay yeah. open. So they stopped letting people come into line. You know, and I interviewed one of the poll workers from from the UCLA side. Um, I had personally gone to all of the East L.A. because I live over here in East L.A. I went by all the voting sites and I couldn't believe the lines were out, absolutely outrageous. So I two, three hours minimum. So I don't understand how anybody can look at that situation and say this is perfectly peachy keen it's obviously not and our new system i think that yeah dean logan and alex padilla need to be held accountable i agree uh for this mess it's absolutely disgusting um my local uh uh poll location poll center um i mean one doesn't want to get like conspiracy theory on things right but like it just so happens that my local um, the one that, like, you know, my book list said that this was my my most closest polling center. Yeah. Whereas the the church where you know I did my bap, you know, I got baptized and did my first communion at and my confirmation and my my kids and everything. Okay, this is the church that we go to. This is our our spot. Okay. Yeah. And this is where my community would probably be most uh, familiar with yeah. me. One can say. Um. So that location was supposed to have had thirty machines. Thirty machines. Um, I went the day before uh, election day, so March 2nd, to go drop off uh, our family's uh, mail-in ballots. We just yeah. went, went to drop them off pers- by, by hand. And um, me and my daughter, you know, we went in there, we dropped them off. She, you know, got to drop them off in her the little thing, and it was great. We got our sticker. And then I just asked them, I'm like, hey, so have you guys had any issues uh, with, with, your, with the things or anything like that? And she was, this one lady was like, oh, we just had, we had two machines that weren't working yeah. on the first day, but they, they switched them out really quickly. So, so that was okay. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, not so bad. It felt like, you know, but and that was happening goes, all over the but city. Wait, and then she goes, but then she goes, ah, it gets worse, but we were supposed to have had 30 machines. They had five. <laughs> They had a, a misunderstanding or something in regards to the space that they were supposed to be given. So, so yeah, that's bad. two weeks or, you know, two weeks earlier, they would have been they had enough time to try and figure out, you know, what I mean, something else, get another room. Let's throw more machines somewhere else to make up the difference. They None didn't have it. enough staff to run the machines. That was part of the problem. I actually covered the board of supervisors meeting on this. They uh, There was a motion that was put. I don't know if you know about the Han motion. So they're looking into this. And Dean Logan pretty much had his ass handed to him. Every single one of these polling locations didn't have enough trained staff on hand to to have the machines work, right? Because they had to know what they were doing. So you would have voting centers that had, like you're saying, 30 machines and only five of them were functioning. Well, part of that was they didn't have the staff to have all 30 of them open. Mm-hmm. And people were leaving. So when you use this machine, right, after you you cast your thing, it would spit out a piece of paper. People were leaving yes. with that, thinking that it was a receipt when mm-hmm. you were supposed to rescan it back into the machine. And if you didn't mm-hmm. rescan it back in, your vote didn't count. And, and, yes. and voters didn't know that. Yes. So, I mean, the How whole thing was a disaster. And you know what angers me the lost. most is that software cost the city of LA $300 million. Million dollars. What in the actual hell? Million dollars. And honestly, (coughs) excuse me, the machines that we had, you know, I I trust those machines more, even even though they were like a little shady. In fact, my first run, and I'm just like, this can't be a coincidence. It is just Angelica walking in here and it just so happens that Angelica's having a hard time. Obviously this has to be bigger than that. But when I passed my votes, you know, you did a little Inca Inca vote. um, I pulled out the thing and I was like, ah, obviously checking, you know, did I vote for me? Um, (laughs) And my vote went to to the Republican and I was like, what? Yeah, no, that happens too. That's the other thing. These are very sensitive. And twice this machine was off. Mm -hmm. So they switched out the machine. So imagine 
you know, these, these issues. And I think it's not a coincidence that these things are happening no. where they ha- they're happening. That no, the, I don't think it's a coincidence. In Sun Valley was, was moving the votes to Angelica to the Republican. It's just, I mean, it's hard to think, you know, it's, it's hard not to get uh, paranoid, but I mean, when we're seeing it in person and then we're, since we have access to the voter files, we're right. also seeing changes happening in there where I saw in my file and, and we're trying to investigate is that there's one day in, I think, 2017 that we had about 35%, 35 to 39% of our, all of the constituents had a, a switch on that day and we're trying to figure out but it looks like that they were set for um for a, ma- a permanent vote by mail and we have oh, been so their status around was, and asking, oh, so then they ended up with conditional ballots or something yes and we went around and asked a few people we did a canvas specifically just asking about this did you know that your status was changed on this day to vote by mail status and have you been having any problems voting they said yes um, I did not authorize that. I do know that the day has changed because I've been having a hard time voting ever since they keep mm-hmm. on giving us provisional ballots. Yeah, because if you don't come in and if you if you are a permanent vote by mail, if you don't surrender your actual ballot at the polling location, they're going to give you a conditional or provisional mm-hmm. ballot for that reason alone. So yes. this is a problem. I don't know, you know, and, and none of this is conspiracy theory. I just have to say that again and again because people need to stop believing that it is. The fact that the Board of Supervisors was going after Dean Logan and not denying any of these things that we're discussing right here, these things are all sort of verified fact of, facts mm-hmm. of the matter. It, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like, um, I feel like we should be so much more angry than we are. Why are we not... Why are we not I on 100% paper ballots that are hand-counted? This is our democracy. It my- matters. It's just, it's, it's so crazy. I mean, me and my mom, we talk about it and we literally have had tears. Like we start crying because I mean, my mom, oh my God. I mean, she went through so much to get to this point. Right. Okay. To be able to vote, you know, she became a citizen um, because she, she really loved this country and, and what it did for her and the opportunity that it gave her and her family, her children, and to be having her, her vote stolen. Yeah, it's not. You right. know, she actually the the uh, twenty sixteen the the primary she got switched to Republican. She won. She went in there to vote for Bernie. Lifelong, you know, ever since she she became a citizen, she was a uh, a Democrat. You know what I mean? Democrat yeah. for over like ten years, fifteen years at that point. Um, and she had to vote provisional because the record showed that she was a Republican. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Ah. We should just all be up. You know, it shouldn't be this difficult to vote. It should be really simple. We should just be able to go in and vote. We should automatically Mm -hmm. be registered to vote when we turn 18. Yes. Uh, There's so many things that we could be doing to make democracy stronger in this country. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing those things. And the Democratic Party is part and parcel to the problem. The GOP is terrible, yes. But the Democrats, you know, in many ways are as bad. And I just, uh, especially in the state of California, where we're pretty much a one-party state, We need to address these things because Mm -hmm. the ACLU has more than once filed lawsuits about voting problems in the in the state. So it's not like we are the you know the beacon of liberalism that that people think that we are. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you know for for being California and everyone's a Democrat for the most part. There's like a handful of 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 Republican you know representatives and you know even or they're even more progressive. They're Green Party or Independent or something. Right, right. And, you know, but the majority of representation is Democrat. Yeah. I mean, what happened with SB 562? You yeah, know, right, Anthony exactly. Rendon, you know, Democrat, Speaker uh, of, of the Assembly. Who is bought by health industry money. I mean, he's single-handedly of- blocked it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the Democratic Party does not have our back. I think what the problem is that is that I think that I think me, you and I understand that, you know, we have more in common right. with our fellow a uh, uh, working class Republican, libertarian, green, yeah. uh, many you know, ways, Democrat, yeah. you know, c- comrade, you know, neighbor, community member that we do with. with I'm a Democrat, but with with an elite, you know, establishment Democrat, like a Nancy Pelosi. You know, I agree with party. you. I you know, I think you. that we're we're there. I think that with the Dem- the Republicans and the Democrats, I think the Republicans are very, you know, where they stand on the issues. Okay, yeah. I'm not saying who's right, who's wrong. 
I mean, but it's definitely they 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 we know where they stand on the issues. Democrats, yeah. what I have a problem what I think is dangerous, and I think that which is why us on the left, we 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 are so hard on Democrats, is because Democrats are uh, painting themselves in the light of being for us. Right. Okay, so they they um, have they're playing the role right. of you know being there for us, and I think that when you look at the big picture, and um, what we see is it's two sides of the same coin. You know what I mean? It, it they don't have our backs. There's a little bit of they're like pro-choice. There's you know like there's like some some of of, of like the um, I don't know social issues that you know that they differentiate greatly. Yeah. But when you take a look at the rest of it all, it's yeah. I mean they are being funded by the same corporations. Yeah. They are giving away our wealth to this you know at the same rate, um, and they are screwing the people at the same yeah. rate, and and we have been sold out. So it's not as simple as saying Democrat and Republican. Um, especially here in California, when everyone's a, dem- a Democrat, practically, yeah. so it's, it's the people. It's who's funding you. You know, what are the issues that you're that you believe in that you're that you're fighting for? It's it's getting p- pretty complicated to be able exactly. to keep up with all of this. Exactly, and there really it, the only thing that's happening from that is the Democratic Party is ultimately harming itself. The last election cycle here in this district, we had a Green Party candidate that did astonishingly well. He had over thirty percent of the vote. So I think the more the more that they they defend and feather the nest of the platonomy in the same way the Republicans do, it eventually causes harm to the party because the voters have had enough. They can't mm-hmm. make ends meet in the city mm-hmm. off of minimum wage. We have people sleeping in their cars because they have sold out the entire uh, system to the real estate developers, yeah. right? So people can't afford the rents and there's there's no affordable housing. I mean, we can go on and on, but you're, you're correct. They are, the divide isn't necessarily this, it's often this, you know, and unless yes. they go back to their roots of working for the working class, as opposed to serving the needs of their donor class, it's just going to keep mm-hmm. getting worse. So I don't see, I don't see how Biden can win this election. I think you know on on the presidential level, but I think locally here in California we have an opportunity to elect progressives and actually make some changes that um, that can change the way these things are going. But we have to get yes. more involved, and we need more voters to actually sh- show up and vote in primaries because that's that's the problem, right? Yes, it you really can't just is. vote I for mean, the D. We did. We did yeah, exactly. Don't don't just go for the D. You gotta, don't just you know, go for the D. Go to the primary and elect the progressive, <laughs> so that when we get to the general, there's a really good candidate. We're losing so Absolutely. many good primary candidates. Yes, yes. I mean, we have the top two system here in California, which mm-hmm. some people say it's good in certain ways and it's bad in others. I think it's bad in the sense that it just killed the third parties. You know, uh, uh, before the top two, it was the top Democrat versus the top Republican versus the top Green versus the top. Independent, you know what I mean? It was like that. Yeah, I sort of um, think it so, could so change. So it third parties on the ballot, um, and it made it easier for to keep ballot access as well. Yeah, so it just I, made I that like harder. On the flip side, though, the top two, um, it gives you know a, a good candidate a chance, you know, to to get through the primary and hopefully build that momentum to 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 get it. Uh, an underdog win. So exactly. that's where we are at. That's where Shahid Buttar is at. Um, and I think there's someone else down there in San Diego that might have made it through their, their primary as well. Progressive in California. Uh, not Jose. Um, Who in San Diego? I can't recall. I think you're right. I, I you know, I support our primary there. system. I think it's more democratic. I think all primaries should be open, period, in the story. I'm, and and I hear what you're saying on the third party thing, but, but yeah, um, it should be easier to keep the third. Yeah, you know, uh, but so I think it could be if voters chose to do that, right? The difference is, is the voters have to make that decision, and there's nothing, there's nothing mm-hmm. to protect, right? I mean, it's going to be the top two candidates, no matter what party affiliation. Yes. So they should mm-hmm. honestly feel more free to vote for the Green Party person if that's the progressive person, right? Absolutely, you know absolutely. You know, and, and that's how it should be. But let let's be honest. You know what I mean? We still live in a two party system. No, oh, we People, totally do, yeah. because of lack of education education um or just you know just you know being ignorant to the of of the information you know people don't know that there's even uh anything outside of republicans and democrats this is my second i ran ran green last time and people we spent a lot of time explaining to people what we were as far as party yeah we did okay 6.3% 6.3% when yeah. when greens are 0. Point, or worse 0.3% of the electorate 
That means that people are listening to our message, but we spend a lot of time explaining to people what Green Party was. This 100%. time around, we're running Democrat and it's gone. It, it, it's, you know, either you're with it or you're not. And now you're paying attention to what we're talking about, the substance. And that's how we were able to get through this. Interesting. OK, so you ran as a Green Party candidate the last time. I didn't realize that. Yes. Okay. So I actually did vote for the Green Party candidate in my district. I thought because I preferred his policies to the Democrat and it didn't concern me at all. But but you're right. Most people don't. They don't have the level of knowledge and it's that's sort of by design of the system. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we mm-hmm. need to work on that. We need to work on yes. getting the word out and just getting people to kind of view things a little bit differently than what they're told, you know. Mm hmm. And that's up to us. You know what I mean? I think that we are in a privileged position. Yeah. Um, and you know, privilege means a lot of things. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, 100 percent. And being privileged to knowledge and to just being aware of these things, that, that's that's a level of privilege. And, and it's our responsibility to share that knowledge. And, it is. and that's what we're doing. You know what I mean? I think that we're do- and like I said, I'm, I'm really proud of our work. Um, I think that right now with uh, coronavirus changing things all um around in regards to how we organize i'm amazed by the creativity and the perseverance that i'm seeing um in our groups so i'm very excited to see um how can we um get ahead in all of this because it's one it's necessary we need working class people right. uh, to take over and occupy these positions and now we have this um a bit of an opportunity um to change because the the the, this whole politics game has completely changed. You right. know what I mean? People can't knock on doors. Um, things look completely different. Yeah. So how are we going to do this? Are we going to, is this going to be a, a positive somehow in, in the way that we do things? Or is this going to be a, you know, are we, are we done? So, um, but I'm just seeing how um, the organizing is just getting so creative with many groups yeah. with our campaign. Um, and I'm very excited uh, to see what, what's coming our way because there's a lot of people are working on a lot of things right now and it's great. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a, a, a bright side to this whole situation. And plus the environment's so much better now you can breathe. <laughs> it's yeah, so you weird. know, we need to take the good with the bad too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So speaking of, part of your part platform calls for the elimination of dirty bunker fuels, which is something nobody talks about, literally no one. So what is that and why are you for eliminating that? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're seeking out for 100% uh, fossil-free uh, energy by 2030. And um, we believe that that's a realistic goal. Um, we really need to be pushing to, you know, to 2025. Um, yeah. And uh, because I think the science speaks for itself, um, we have, climate change is here, it's happening. Um, and pollution and man um, is uh, contributing to um, our environment being in the state that it's in. So we need to push towards these um, clean energies like now um, for us, for our environment. And also because we need to give, we need to move towards these uh, clean energies like ASAP in order to allow for other parts of the world that have not been able to develop um, to get, you know, to, to have the ability to do so to get themselves also to a green, uh, a green, you know, um, energy system, but it's going to take time to get there. And we understand that, but we need to move to that now. And we are actually being left behind. Um, there's Europe and, and places, uh, parts in Asia that are just uh, on overdrive and really getting to where they need to be. Um, but you know, we are the biggest polluter in the yeah. world. So um, among, you know, with, with all these mega corporations and military, actually the military is the biggest polluter of, 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 of every, of any entity in the world. So we need to address these issues because they need to be addressed and, um, or else we literally have no future to look forward to our, our world as we know it will end. Humanity will not exist. Um, so these are things that we need to do. We need to do now and we need to move towards 100% yeah. clean fossil free energies and that's just that's just period you know and I think that it's really sad that here in this country we're still I mean you still have groups that are like is this real is this not you know when other parts of the world are like well how are we gonna get there let's use this tactic they're like looking at different strategies of how to get there like the fact that it's happening we agree on that is you know how they feel about it it's how are we going to tackle it? And we're still over here talking about is this real or is this not? 
it's just, it's like the twilight zone. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your uh, opponent, Tony Cardenas, who is the incumbent in your area. What are some of the main differences in the platforms that you and Tony have? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, his platform, we haven't really been able to decipher too much detail. Um, it's very vague, you know what I mean? It's very, he very vague. A lot of platitudes on his website, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, I'm going to, okay. You know how like we read a horoscope? Yeah. And yeah, then and you're like, oh, anybody. you know, I think that was because like my neighbor and you, know, you started like trying to put it, piece it together. That's A so little funny. bit like that. You make it, what do you think you're that right. means? You know what I mean, it's kind of like. But what I can say about us is that we're very clear we stand on the issues. And I think yeah. that that's actually what, what helped us get to where we're at. Tony Cardenas is a career politician. Okay. He's been around since I was in junior high in yeah, one way or time. another. I, yep. I'm just like aging myself, but it's okay. Um, yeah. Since like 1996, <laughs> um, he's been our something. He's exactly. been a, Before just, assemblyman been for there. eight years, yeah. city council for 10 years, and now eight years at, at, in Congress. And um, he's very wishy-washy. You don't really, he doesn't, he doesn't start, stand hard on just about anything. Um, and I think when it comes to like, why, why, you know what I mean? Like he's a Democrat, he's a Latino, he's from our community. He was raised in a working class family. Like, you know, he, it was a struggle to get to school. Like you would think like, you know, he's kind of, he has these life experiences have really made him a, a person who would have been a great representative, you know, for the people. Unfortunately, I think that it comes down to like, who's funding you, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. Uh, we, we, you know, we pulled the reports and we're looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, wow, I guess it would be really hard uh, to, even if you're a good person trying to stick to your guns to try and do that if you're depending on these people's money yeah. to keep on, you know, running. And I mean, and they're spending a lot of money um, on a lot of things that are not even, he's not even doing his events in our community. So that's, it's just, it's just embarrassing. It's just so sad and it's just such a waste that we have this person that is in a position to really make a difference in our community and people don't know who he is. Like, I mean, he's right. been around for so long, you would think like, oh yeah, Tony. It's yeah. like kind of like Adam Schiff, you love him or you hate him, you know who he yeah. is, you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's I can't your stand guy, Adam Schiff. <laughs> you know? But it's like, you know, people, they know who he is, That's right? right? Yeah. Um, but Tony, they're like, oh, he sounds familiar, I don't know. We, we knocked on a lot of doors. We talked to a lot of people and either they didn't know who he was or they were like, oh yeah, let me sign your thing. You know what yeah. I mean? They, they didn't like him. There was this one lady, it was really funny. She was like, oh, um, so who are you running against? You know, I'm like, I'm running for Congress. Can you sign my thing to get me on the ballot? Funny Cardenas, she was like, okay. She just pulled the thing and she was like filling it out. She's like, so what are you about? She didn't even, add, she could, I could have been a Republican. She didn't even know. Like she was just like, yes. Yeah. Whoever you are running against Tony, you know what I mean? And so yeah. this is what we're, we're getting from people. Either they don't know who he is at all. Because he's never in the district. Like he spends no time with his constituents. And this is a problem right. we see time and time again with a lot of the incumbents. They don't pay any attention whatsoever to the folks that they're supposed taking to be for granted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even his 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 um, campaign events. Most of them are in D.C. Yeah. Which okay, that a little bit makes sense. That's where your friends are. That's where you work. Okay, whatever, maybe. And then the, the events in California, they're not in his district. They're like in Santa Barbara. Because they're he's like raising downtown. money. That's right. It's That's just right. crazy. It's it just is crazy. crazy. I mean, you would think you would bring some of that wealth to your community and, and maybe like, you know, help out a vendor, you know, a, uh, a restaurant in your area. You know what I mean? It's I do. It's infuriating it to me sense. that we have so many Congress folks that aren't representing their district. They're never in their districts. Many of them don't even live in the districts that they represent. And this is why the I American know. public needs to pay more attention to what's going on, because these folks have they mm -hmm. have a lot of power in our government and they're not yes. doing the work of the people as they're supposed to be doing. And that's sort of on mm -hmm. us because we keep reelecting these guys and then we kind of just yeah. don't pay attention. Right. Absolutely, because it's a lot of stuff that happens. And then, you know what, I'll be honest, there's so much shadiness going on at so many different levels of government that it's almost hard to keep up with it. Yeah. And in our research and just putting stuff out there and other people getting interested, 
we're getting tweets like, hey, did you know this? You know what I mean? And so people are going through, I mean, and I would advise everybody go through your elected officials expense reports, expenses and donations. Yeah. You'll find out a lot of interesting things, you know what I mean? And take a look at the addresses and where do people live? And that'll give you an idea of of, of where this money is going to. And if it's going to like, are they keeping it within the friends and family circle or, you know, or or, are their expenses going towards professionals, you know? Right, right. So Um, where does Tony stand on Medicare for all? Not by virtue of what he says, but by what virtue of what he has done. Well, what by what he has done, um, his number one uh, funder is Big Pharma. I think Anthem Blue Cross might be like the number one, but I'll have to just verify on that, which actual insurance plan is his yeah. number one funder. But like DaVita, um, uh, all, uh, quite a few other uh, insurance plans are up there. Um, he has been ignoring uh, constituents, activists, um, the nurses union, um, high school students, you know, a number of groups that have actually been approaching him for at least I had to go back and, and ask a few folks because they've been at it for a while. I want to say like at least three years, if not longer, mm-hmm. maybe even five years that they've been consistently been ignored. Right. Um, either like, oh, yeah, we'll we'll call you back to no callbacks to like, oh, yes, we'll we'll set up a meeting. The closest they have gotten was like a broad meeting that they were able to ask the question to a staffer and their answer was, oh, yeah, he's he's researching uh, the issue. (laughs) That was that. And that was, I think, about that one was a little bit more recent, maybe like within the last nine months or so. That was that That was the closest. What what is there to research? You're either for it or you're against it. You know what the issue is he's researching it so um (laughs) should be getting back to us that's amazing (laughs) um i know you were endorsed by uh healthy california right betty dumas toto's organization uh what about nurses united have you spoken with them um, we're in the process of trying to see if we can get that endorsement um we're hoping to be able to earn their 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 endorsement there they are they're, you know, a, a very selective organization, yeah. and um, we just hope to be able to to earn that support. Um, we'd be very proud to do that. Um, but yeah, we're hoping to be able to do so. Um, I think that right now we have a great opportunity in our district that, you know, we don't have that spoiler. There's right. no, um, oh, it's going to go to the Republican or it's going to go to uh, this, no, this other no. shady. Two Democrats. You know, it's, it's actually yeah. two Democrats, you know, um, obviously, you know, not all, dem- all Democrats are created equal, right? Um, but it's two Democrats. This is like the it's it's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity that we have here in this district to really make some changes happen and to use this as an example um, for the rest of the the state, the country. That big money doesn't have to run things. That That's we don't right. have to take dark, dirty PAC money in order to win elections, and uh, it doesn't take a disgusting amount of money to win elections. We spent ten thousand um, dollars in the primary. Tony spent over six hundred thousand dollars. What? Mm-hmm. Um, six hundred thousand dollars. So, what does that say? Does that say That's that they're crazy. just very wasteful? Um, does that say that that you know maybe they're worried that you know that we no, might worried. just come in here, uh, yeah. right? And so, um, six hundred thousand dollars to our ten thousand. Um, and we broke down it. the. We did the math. I think he paid. It goes down to like eleven dollars and some change per vote on his side. Ours was 46 cents a vote. Nice. So nice. it just goes to show what we can do Absolutely. with very, very little. You know what I mean? Honestly, I with $150,000, you know what I mean? It doesn't take half a million dollars. It should Half a million dollars. He already spent that. I mean, in the yeah. two-year term that he's going to be there, he's not even going to make $400,000. What is going on? But this is big on? money coming into the state trying to make sure that the health care, Medicare for all doesn't get passed on the state level, that the real estate developers are able to can, continue buying up the old properties and, and raising the rents. And so this is just big corporate money coming into the state, big pharma. I mean, remember mm-hmm. that pharma bill we had three, four years ago that Bernie sponsored? Look at the money that poured into the state against that. So this is... This really is a proxy battle for the corporate interests versus the progressives. And a lot of these congressional candidates Mm -hmm. are just pawns in the in the game. That's really all they are. So this money coming in 
is Absolutely. for the corporate America. It's not that it's Tony Cardenas that they're sponsoring. They're just going to fight whoever that they are threatened by across the board, right? And we've seen that everywhere. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it gives me Absolutely. great hope. It gives me great hope that you won your county central committee uh, position. So that means that people yeah. know who you are. They came. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So so out of the uh, so it was like the top seven, right, in each district, and I right. think it was um fifteen people. Yeah. Um ran. Wow. And um, the majority of those folks ended up being uh, staffers of elected officials, uh, family members, um, or, you know, something along those lines. Which is, let's talk about that. Hang on for a second. Staffers. Yeah, Angelica, let's talk about that. Staffers of elected officials. These people should not even be allowed to run for these positions. This is, to me, another way of elected officials trying to preserve the status quo. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. infuriating. I mean, I think people don't don't understand that, like the the apparatus of the Democratic Party, um, on paper anyway, um, it's it has an ability that it gives the the citizens, the people, uh, an arm of power, yeah. or however you want to call it. There's a, a it's, it's it's like a third of uh, delegations that they give to the people, more yeah, or less. Yeah, it's supposed to be grassroots um, representation. Right? Yes. Absolutely. It's supposed to, these are the seats that are supposed to be for um, the citizens. And what they do time and time again yeah. is that, and mind you, each one of these elected officials has, um, they have a pool of, of, of seats, of delegates that they can already appoint. So they yes, already are exactly. able to give uh, delegates, you know, whoever they want a delegate role. That's right. They but already what control they do two-thirds is They hold of off. They don't That's appoint true. anybody. Yep. Yep, they yep. run people, they run their people on the citizens, uh, you know, the regular people seats. Let's see how many they get. And right. it's very frustrating. And then they sponsor to, slates you know, for the ADEMs. Lost. You know, it's like they try to do all of these things instead of just leaving mm-hmm. those last delegates. At every level. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Very frustrating. Absolutely. But I think people are starting to realize that and it's changing. I think, I honestly, Angelica, I think the ADEM elections this last year and a half ago were a big eye-opener for a lot of folks, the way Maria Estrada was treated, what happened at AD51, how they yes. had to end up overturning that election because of the corruption. So yes. I, think, I think that was a very sort of eye-opening uh, turn of events right there. And I think... Well, you you got into an incident this, this time around, right? You got you got uh, Yes, I was mad. I got punched by one of Wendy Carrillo's... Um, volunteers because I unknowingly was uncovering com- uh, corruption. I didn't know they had, there were people voting in that, that election that didn't live inside the district. So, and I, it, this mm-hmm. wasn't by design that mm-hmm. I was trying to capture this, but that's ended up in a nutshell, what ended up being the case. Um, so they overturned it was the an election. Accident. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Isn't it funny that that's why I'm just like, you know, it just so happens that yeah. when I voted for myself, the vote went, it was like, whoa, and it just so ha- it, yeah. you have to stop and think: Am I that lucky? Am I the one in a million? No, it, no, it's this probably is more common than we realize. Exactly. And if you start asking questions, you're gonna you're gonna get some answers. Right. And the answers is there's there's some shadiness going on. Yep, hundred percent. I totally agree with you. So more importantly, if people that are listening to this want to donate to your campaign, where should they go to do that? Yes, if you go on to our website, angelicaforcongress.com, um, there is uh, the do- donate button. Um, if you have any extra change to spare, please you know, give some of that our way. Um, we can do a whole lot with very little. If yeah. you are not able to financially help, which I completely understand, times are hard. Um, my husband was laid off a month ago, so I completely oh, no. get it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy for all of us. So maybe you, you have time. Maybe you can give us um, a little bit of your time. There's a join us button as well. Um, sign up and uh, become a volunteer if you're local, most especially because we're hoping to be able to knock on doors uh, sometime this summer um, before the election. If not, you know, we're going to be calling people and there's going to be, you know, work to be done either way postcards, um, you know, the whole shebang. So if you want to give us a hand, there's uh, plenty of opportunities. Um, sign up now, and that way we can reach out to you. Um, right now we're in the planning stages, okay. and um, we're trying to get our stuff together and um, make things happen. But we already are having a great 
uh, response. The people that we're talking to on the phones are very excited. I mean, I think that people are um, very uh, let down with, you know, Bernie suspending yeah. his, his, his campaign. So um, right now is the time for people to understand that the fight is still going on. The fight continues and that we have a very realistic opportunity to take this seat back for the people. And that's yeah. what we need to do. Because we, what we believe is that all of us, we need to seek out positions of power and yes. occupy them. These are ours. And we need to take them. We need to take them. I agree. I, I think what we've learned through the last few years since this um, sort of revolutionary stage that we've been in since 2016, the one thing we've learned is the really important thing to do is go after seats of power as far as Congress, as far as county central committee, as far as delegates, like all of these things matter because they all feed up into the bigger problem. So So thanks for coming on. Um, Was there any part of your platform that we didn't discuss that you think is really important? Um, we talked about a little bit, but I think that, you know, it's, it's very important to talk about, you know, the, our, our lack of affordable housing and the fact that we are having, uh, a homeless, a houseless, uh, folks, uh, issue that is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And this needs to be addressed. And right now, uh, with this pandemic, uh, and, uh, the, the, um, stay at home, orders that we are what we're at right now i think the city the the county of los angeles less than half still have jobs and what we are still not seeing any any protections any real protections coming our way it's just been platitudes i don't know what we're seeing is that every level our representatives are leaving us behind yep so what i want to say to people who are watching this is pay attention to your city council person your state representatives and your Congress uh, representatives. If they need to be voted out, we need to start working on that now. Yeah. And we need to start getting those teams together because all of these people need to understand that the time is ticking, that we will not forget. And if we need to come and check, take a visit to their house and let them know that we know um, that they're not paying attention to us and that we need to let their neighbors know I'm who they're that. living next to. Make we will have to do that. And so, absolutely. No justice, no peace. Money for jobs and education. Money for jobs and education. Money for jobs and And that's where we're at. I agree. I agree. You know what? Make them uncomfortable. They're not listening to their job is working for their constituents. Constituents don't work mm-hmm. for them. And I'm so tired of seeing these these politicians that have that attitude that they're just entitled to whatever it is that they think they're entitled to. That needs to change. Absolutely not. It's over. Time's it's up. Over. Amen. All right, my friend. Well, thanks for coming on. I look forward to uh, seeing you win that seat. Thank you. We really are, too. I think this is something that is going to be great. We're looking forward to um, what our office will be. We plan to have an empower- a community empowerment center where we will really make changes happen here in our communities. And we want to be an example uh, to the rest of activist groups around the, uh, around the world or throughout the country that we need dirty money to make things happen. Amen. We, the people, uh, can make changes happen, and we are going to make it happen. Excellent.